So in today's episode, we take a deep dive into healthcare recruitment marketing, talking with Stephanie Chaviano, the Director of Talent Acquisition at Autism Learning Partners. Um, Recruitment marketing is a topic we've been anxious to get to since we started this podcast series last year. Uh, For many of our clients, there's a a symbiotic relationship between talent and patient acquisition, as you obviously can't add patients without the right clinical talent uh, or without enough clinicians to manage the demand. Stephanie and I start our conversation in the early days of COVID, and she talks about the impact of the pandemic on the recruiting practices, uh, many of which are likely to stay as we return to normal times. She also shares some of the ways she's been successful in recruiting hard-to-find healthcare talent, including connecting with a candidate's core values and motivations. We hope you enjoy the episode, and for more Traction Talks, go to tractionpartners.com and click on our blog, or go to tractiontalks.buzzsprout.com. Hello, and welcome to Traction Talks. I'm joined today by Stephanie Chaviano, who is the Director of Talent Acquisition and Strategy at Los Angeles-based Autism Learning Partners, the leader in evidence-based, family-oriented autism therapies. Uh, we've known Stephanie at Traction for several years now, uh, and she has extensive experience in healthcare recruiting and has held several leadership roles for companies, including Coast Dental and West Coast Dental Services, prior to joining ALP. Uh, we've been wanting to do an episode on talent acquisition and recruiting in healthcare for quite a while now, and we're excited to have her join us today. Stephanie, great to have you. Thank you. It's so great to be here. really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's go ahead and get right to it. Um, you know, while someday we hope to start one of these episodes on something other than the global pandemic, <laughs> um, obviously <laughs> it's, it's been a major, a major event, um, you know, impacting everything for the past 14 plus months uh, at this point. So, you know, let's maybe start off with a, a start off there and, and move forward. Um, Absolutely. Well, there is obviously light at the end of the tunnel uh, with the crisis. The events of, you know, really the past year plus has certainly thrown an unprecedented amount of uncertainty into the hiring and, and, you know, job market across really every industry. So as a recruiting executive tasked with obviously bringing in new talent, how did, how have you seen those impacts unfold from your vantage point? Yeah, I mean, particularly at Autism Learning Partners, and I think with um, all ABA providers, we really the first piece was identifying whether or not we were considered essential um, and if we could continue providing services. Um, And it just, as we all recall, even though it feels like a very long time ago, um, the turn just happened so quickly from this is something that's out there and um, that we're seeing impact so many different industries to, oh, this is actually impacting us. Can we continue providing services? Um, once we identified that we were indeed an essential service and um, were actually a service that would be become really helpful for a lot of families during this time um, in being able to still provide services to them and create some level of continuity in their lives, um, from a recruiting perspective, I mean, our entire world just really flipped upside down. We went from having 500 openings to zero. Um, you know, over 90% of my team was furloughed. Um, the only reason why we were able to keep a couple of them from not being furloughed um, is because they were able to lean in and help support other tasks across the organization, really nothing to do with recruiting. Um, so, you know, things like communicating with existing staff, um, because there are a lot of other individuals that were being furloughed as well. It wasn't just a recruiting team, of course. Um, so they kind of helped lean in and helped have those conversations, reach out to like lists of hundreds of employees that we were calling to, 
give them an update as to what was happening within AOP and how we were handling it. So that was really the first of um, the, the really the large impact that we saw. Once we identified, okay, we are continuing to provide services, um, how are we going to do that? How are we going to, um, to kind of pivot? We, we started to see that there is needs now for some BTs. BTs were behavior technicians. Those are the staff that provide one-to-one -one care in homes. They were um, nervous and scared about going into going into homes. So we, we really needed to take a step back and um, before we opened, started opening up these these requisitions and these needs, how are we going to um, tap into our teams, our existing workforce that was still working for us technically, seeing how they could open up their availability and schedule um, before we started recruiting. Um, and then that just catapulted us into virtual all of the things, right? Recruiting, interviewing, onboarding, training. Um, it, it's so, it's, it has been interesting looking back. There's so many things that we did in a week that hindsight, you know, would have probably taken months to plan. Um, and it's, it has been great for us now to have these virtual processes. Um, but yeah, like I said, it really just turned our whole process upside down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I think, you know, moving past that and um, kind of getting out of that hump, I think ALP was one of the only ABA providers that was, was able to um, continue providing services. You know, thankfully, there are um, individuals here at this company that were able to put telehealth in, create a telehealth model that was sustainable. Um, and so I think for us, the rest of 2020, Q3, Q4, being one of the only providers in our space that were recruiting at this level just meant that it, it actually wasn't as difficult to acquire talent um, because we were like I said, one of the only um, people in our space, providers in our space, that were really looking at that level of, of new talent coming through the door. So you, you've talked a little bit about some of the impacts to ALP, and you know you, you referenced um, some of the new virtual or some of the virtual processes that, as you mentioned, in the past might have taken might have taken months, um, had mm -hmm. to be done in a in a matter of days and weeks. So what are those, I'm curious, I mean, are there some of those processes do you think you'll be able to, to utilize moving forward or maybe a hybrid model or how do you see that playing out? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, like you mentioned, I think we moved to virtual almost overnight. Um, and there are a lot of efficiencies that we were able to see within this virtual process. I mean, not just from a recruiting and interviewing process, but to our onboarding and, and training. Um, I think the same way that I mentioned that at the end of 2020, Q3, Q4, we were one of the only players of our size that were hiring. And so uh, talent pool was large for us. We were able to really secure talent in a way that we hadn't before. Uh, 2020 has, or 2021, excuse me, has been quite challenging. Um, and we have not been able to secure talent the way that we were at the end of 2020. 
um, which is not specific to ABA and or healthcare. I mean, I think that all industries are really experiencing this right now for a variety of reasons. And so for us, I think we just want to continue to stay really nimble and identify where we would continue our process to be virtual. Um, our previous place, we would hold almost many job fairs within each of our clinics on a weekly basis where recruiters were pushing candidates in and the local teams were pre-screening, question, uh, pre-screening candidates to see if they checked all of our boxes and then um, have them kind of continue on in a group interview. But now the recruiter is doing all of the pre-screening ahead of time and getting them um, scheduled for one-on-one virtual interviews. We've really only had maybe two out of our 64, 65 regions that are interested in exploring in-person again, and that's, again, just to kind of combat the the difficulties we've been experiencing with recruiting. Um, So I think really for us, there's, you ask me today, I think um, we will likely, the majority of the company from a macro perspective will likely stay virtual, but we are open to doing what we need to to be able to secure uh, talent at this point. So if that means kind of having some sort of hybrid um, or identifying specific geographies where it really works, uh, we would we would absolutely explore that. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, you mentioned uh, or you talked about obviously the fierce competition now and, and obviously how things are sort of getting back to normal very quickly. And, mm-hmm. and certainly – Certainly, fierce competition for clinician or clinical talent is is nothing new. Um, I know we recently saw there was a hospital in, I believe, Texas that was offering $20,000 signing bonuses to nurses (laughs) and care associates, um, which, you know, certainly seems to be next level um, in terms of just that that competition being so fierce. So how do you acquire talent in that kind of environment? And are you seeing any changes now that we've obviously gone through the past 14 months um, in terms of what makes what might make a candidate go from one provider to another? Yeah, I mean, I we right now are exploring um, some sort of sign-on bonus, and so I was doing some market research yesterday, and I saw that Amazon was hiring um, and offering a $1,000 sign-on bonus for their entry-level warehouse workers. Um, I got a, another article that got pushed to me yesterday that, there's a McDonald's that's offering iPhones to their candidates um, after six months. So I think employers are getting very creative with what they need to do to be able to bring talent through the door. Um, And it can get tricky when you are looking at offering um, things like a $20,000 sign-on bonus or things that are just, um, you know, above and beyond what you've done in the past, because when you're looking at it from an equity perspective, you've got folks that have been with you for a really long time that kind of suck, suck it out. And, um, it can, it can be a a tough pill at times for them to swallow when we've got, you know, these kind of grandiose efforts that we have to bring new talent through the door. Um, I think one thing that is important to, to really understand is what is it that we need what do you need to do to keep your current people there, right? Um, Because I know that within ABA, we have been really dealing with some attrition issues. um, And I can only imagine that that's what's being felt throughout all of healthcare. Um, And instead of looking at things like exit surveys or exit interviews, 
Um, doing surveys for your existing folks, seeing what it is that is keeping them there or what are changes that they want to see in order to keep them there um, so that you've got a real pulse on what it is that your workforce needs and um, not trying to capture them on the, on the way out, right, or identifying why they left once they're, they're leaving. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with the sign-on bonus, but I do think that there is a level of um, just trying to keep it, you know, reasonable, both from an ROI perspective, um, but also just from an equity perspective for, for your team. So some things that I think um, would make a candidate potentially go from one provider to another um, are looking at your branding efforts. Can they, you know, candidates do their research? And that's, that is nothing new. Um, it probably is, is something that they're doing more now than ever before. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of candidates and job seekers are curious to see how companies handled COVID. Did right. they have massive layoffs? Did they have to furlough a lot of folks? Um, what was the communication that happened during that time? And, um, one thing that I've been hearing from colleagues of mine that do work in other healthcare companies is um, candidates really wanting to know, you know, if you did do, if you had to furlough, if you had to, fur if you had to do any kind of layoff, is your growth now sustainable? You know, is there that job security there for them that if they do go from one company to another, they won't have to worry about um, the longevity of their position down the line. Um, so, I mean, I, I think things like that will will be really key for for companies. Um, looking to to bring prospective candidates through the door. And one thing that we have been trying um, is just trying to be really authentic and transparent with our story. Um, and what we have heard, there's some research that came out recently where specifically this generation of um, candidates that are job seekers that are entering the workforce, they really want to hear from existing employees as opposed to, you know, our CEO or our director of marketing or the director of recruiting. We want to hear from the people that are actually doing the work. So we've got a couple of initiatives right now where we've got um, existing employees sending in videos. We've got, like, these contests um, of, you know, sending in a video of what it's, what's the day in the life of a behavior technician or why do you enjoy working here or why do you enjoy working within this industry um, just so that, you know, someone that doesn't know ALP or maybe doesn't know ABA would be able to to see this video and, and get a little better understanding of what it's like to work here. And I think that that really can be translated across the board um, within any industry. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, you made some great points there just around, you know, some of the things that are important to candidates now. And I'm sure that stability, as you mentioned, I mean, looking at, you know, what happened the companies during the pandemic, and certainly for you guys, you were around and, and you know, were able to restart um, services as quickly as you were able to. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and great point as well on the signing bonus. I mean, certainly companies need to do what they need to do, but you want somebody who's in it for the right reasons, and especially for the kind of work that you guys do and working with children and making, some, you know, making sure that you're hiring on somebody for those critical positions. Exactly. working with the families and um and that you know they're wanting to do it so that's it, it, it absolutely makes sense so that's something that you know is there on the table but you just want to make sure it's it's in balance with um them wanting to join for the other reasons as well 
Um, one other, I guess, to, to sort of pivot off of that um, into tactics a little bit. So, you know, we've talked about how they're difficult to reach, competitive environment. What are some of the more successful tools or tactics that you've used uh, just to, you know, to A, identify the talent that's out there and obviously to then try to recruit them? Yeah, I mean, I think passive recruiting is is really where it's at. It, it, it has been a a concept that's it is this isn't new um it's something that i've always heard about but the reason why a lot of companies don't spend a substantial amount of time with passive recruiting is because it doesn't give you results right now right it doesn't give you immediate results and so the the concept behind passive recruiting is creating talent pools or pipelines of candidates that you can really start to runner relationships, build rapport, so that down the line, once they're ready to start looking, um, they're going to think of you, and you'll be one of the first people that they reach out to. Um, and the reason that passive recruiting can be so beneficial is for that reason. You've got these recs that start to open up, and you've built pipelines or talent pools of candidates that you can reach out to that they're not hearing from you for the first time. Um and so one thing that we have started doing with talent pools specifically is you've got to teach your recruiters how to be master sourcers, right? You can no longer rely on um, looking for resumes on Indeed or connecting on LinkedIn um, because that, that's what everyone is doing. So what what can you do to really start setting yourselves apart? And that's that's where actually it's it's been pretty great to be to see what's happening within the recruiting world during this time because a lot of recruiters have started stepping their game up and seeing where they can hone in on specific skills. So things like learning how to do a Boolean search on Google, um, utilizing their own personal social media to start getting, um, joining different groups, whether it's on Facebook or LinkedIn, um, and starting to tap into that. And getting in front of candidates that way in a really passive in a really passive way. So some of, some of the things that we've started doing here are building talent pools for all of our regions. We we put focus on regions where we see that there's going to be a need soon. Um, we've got a really great tool that is a, a demand forecast where we can see where we're going to need talent soon. Right. So. We don't need a clinician in this area today, but we are probably going to need one in the next month or two while we, you know, we look at um, marketing efforts, what our intake looks like, how many clients we have coming through the door. Um, and so we start to build talent pools in those areas. And what we do is we go and we find candidates. We get, whether it's their, you know, really basic information, we just, we need an email um, and or a phone number. And um, on a monthly basis, we are creating newsletters that get pushed out to them. Sometimes it's about ALP, so it could be things about, um, you know, our CEO who was recently promoted, our president and CEO who recently promoted into that position, um, or it could be things that have nothing to do about ALP, but more general information about ABA, what's happening with an ABA. Um, so that we can start to get that traction with them and they will know who ALP is. Um, we are starting different campaigns now, kind of like these drip campaigns, to um, get them to start engaging with us. And it is not about coming to work with us, it's just starting conversations 
Um, so really automating that process, creating it so that we can really build robust talent pools so that once we identify a need in a specific area, the talent pool is the first place that we tap into. Um, aside from that, you know, all of the normal things that you want to make sure that you're doing in recruiting, staying really nimble as to what people are looking for now. Um, I, I think that this is, it feels pretty like common sense, but I think it's great to just really openly ask candidates, what do they need to leave their current role? Like, what is it that they're looking for, right? Um, I think sometimes we're so focused on these are the top five reasons why people come work for us. You know, come, let's interview you. We we want to we want you to hear more about us, but we really don't hone in on what that one person is specifically looking for. Um, and when you're able to give them that, that's that should stay the focus in, of your conversations with them, both in the interview with recruiters during onboarding, something that you're kind of reminding them of. So. I think those are those are ways to to really stay ahead of of what's happening right now in an incredibly competitive environment. Right. Well, certainly a balance, as you said, between the passive and active makes sense. And I would, from what you were describing, I would liken it almost, you know, in the marketing world to, you know, you have to balance the direct marketing with the branding. Mm-hmm. You know, the direct marketing might work <laughs> tomorrow. Um, you know, the brand marketing might be a year and, you know, yeah. having both of those things in place is obviously critical. So absolutely. So switching gears to, to onboarding. So obviously you've identified the talent, they've gone through the pipeline, you know, you've now hired them um, to bring them on board. And you know, in our experience, it feels as though this is often overlooked in, in not just healthcare, but I think any industry. But what are, you know, in your case, what are some of the best practices that you think healthcare specifically um, providers should be thinking about when they're putting together a good onboarding process? Yeah, I mean, this is such a great question, and you really hit the nail on the head. It sometimes really is an afterthought. Um, you work so hard to get someone through the door. You do all of these things within recruiting and the interview process. You get them to sign an offer letter, and it's and it's okay. We'll we'll see you on your first day. Where. <laughs> such a critical time to make sure that you've got that buy-in from the candidate before their first day. Um, I think there are different ways to look at this. If you're looking at it from a clinician perspective, your more high-level positions, um, you want to ensure that um, you are getting that buy-in from them, that they do feel great about their position um, that they're moving into, right, especially during this time of, of unknown. And from a more entry level or our high volume positions that we're looking at, like, for example, in ABA behavior technicians, um, the amount of candidates or new hires that sometimes drop out before even their first day is higher than anyone wants to admit it is and and what it truly is. And so onboarding is a, a really critical way to ensure that you're holding on to your employees during that process and getting them bought in. You've got to have your entire process automated. Um, And within healthcare, um, prior to being within this space, I was in dental, corporate dentistry before. And it can, there's a lot that can go into needing to get someone onboarded um, because you are either within there working with patients or within our space now working within clients' homes. So there's a lot of documentation that needs to be collected up front and background checks and clinic visits and all of these things, right? 
it's just so important to make sure that it's the most efficient process for your new hire and that it's intuitive for them um, so that as they're going through it, instead of it just feeling like a massive amount of work, they understand why they're doing these these things, right? There's, there's an understanding. Um, and really making sure that they have everything that they need before day one. So whether it's, you know, access to their different systems that they're going to be utilizing or equipment, you know, now with how, how much things have, have kind of pivoted to telehealth, having their laptop and all of those things set up and, and ready for them before day one um, has, I mean, there's so much research that shows that those are things that new hires care about and that it's really important to them and sets the tone um, for their time within that company. Great. No, that's um, that that certainly makes sense. Um, and like you said, there's there's a lot of things that go into that, and and certainly you guys are are thinking through. It, it, you know, and you mentioned that 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 first week, those first days, are obviously so critical to making that mm-hmm. connection with that new hire and and getting them quickly trained and and on board. All right, well, we've got one more question for you, Stephanie, and uh, and this Great. has been, I think, a terrific conversation. Uh, we've uh, we've ended, I believe, each of our episodes by asking our guests kind of a forward thinking, you know, what do they see the healthcare experience of the future looking like? And and in your case, I guess to tweak that question a bit to recruiting or talent strategy, what are what are some of the changes you see coming in talent acquisition for healthcare that we might see in you know the next five ten years? Yeah, I mean, oh man, I I feel like there's a lot that we still um, need to learn. There are a lot of assumptions right now, um, and people there are people looking at data, right? And there's a lot of research being done as to why there's been such a shift in 2021 and why there's such an incredibly difficult. Um, we're experiencing such a difficult time securing talent, even when we see unemployment being where it's at right now. Um, and I think you know as we go through the rest of the year as we see those additional unemployment benefits start to expire, that's when we'll really start to see how this is going to shape up um, in the years to come. So I think just staying on top of research and understanding what is really impacting and driving talent right now so that you can be really nimble when making decisions. Um, because what might work for you today may not work next quarter even, right, much less in the next five years. So I think just staying really nimble. But a couple of things that I I do feel like we'll likely see as a result of all of this is companies are going to start to um, really need to ensure that they've got equity from a pay perspective, so doing market research and making sure that they've got competitive pay for their employees. Um, a lot of internal talent pools. So how are companies creating um, really visible upward movement for their employees? Um, And that's something that I think is companies have um, likely, you know, have processes in place to um, have upward mobility, but how is that being communicated to your workforce? Is that transparent to all of your employees know exactly what they need to do to to move up. Um, I think the the if I remember recall correctly, it's like forty one percent of employees, or there's an increase of like forty one percent of employees that will stay longer when they've been um, promoted internally. So I think really looking at your internal staff and how you can develop them so that they can take on those roles will be um, really important. And then something that has, um, you know, 
and I know this is this is kind of the first that I've brought this up, but not for a lack of importance. The DEI work that's happening is is critical right now. I think um, a lot of what has come out from um, research and what this generation of folks are looking for is transparency with diversity, equity, and inclusion within companies, and um, ensuring that you know there wasn't oh, we are going to do this, and then that's the end of the conversation, that there is a longevity with plans on how to create that diversity, equity, and inclusion within companies, um, and just continuing the transparency with that. Um, and, I mean, ultimately, an accountability for companies. Um, so I think as long as, as companies are really focused on some of those things, they'll they'll be able to stay proactive and ahead of ahead of the curve, but um, you know, it will be interesting to see how the rest of this year shapes up. I think Q4 of this year will be able to, to to look back and it will allow us to see what we need to do on a go-forward basis to, to to not continue to be where we are now or so many companies are just really struggling. Right, right. No, that's, um, that, that certainly makes sense. And I, if I just some of the things that I've heard you say, I mean, it just sounds like we're heading toward a more authentic experience in recruiting. I mean, I think historically it's been so regimented and, and just stayed in whatever other mm-hmm. adjectives you want to use to describe and just making it more about the candidate, which I think you mentioned earlier as well. You know, it may apply to the majority of folks who are looking to join an organization may not apply to that one candidate who you really need for a critical role. And, you know, just making sure that you're being inclusive of all needs and, and all types of people and, and the different things that might might motivate them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, recruiters are, are really feeding off of what is happening within a company, right? So the amount of transparency and authenticity that is that is happening, and it's been great to see that with a lot of companies really kind of take on that role. The recruiting, the recruiting team is really able to have those authentic conversations with um, candidates, and candidates can feel that. There's a there's a level of rapport that can be established between a recruiter and a candidate, and they're really able to feel that level of authenticity with that very first conversation, and it will set the tone for the recruiting process for that specific job seeker. So, just really, really, um, really important for for that to to be a, a, have a high level of focus for a lot of companies on a go-forward basis. Absolutely. Well, before we let you go, Stephanie, if uh, there's anyone out here who's listening uh, who's interested in careers at ALP, how would they how would they check out those opportunities and how would they get in touch with you? Um, yes, absolutely. We've got our career website, so autismlearningpartners.com, um, and, you know, they can see a full list of all of the openings that we currently have. But I am very accessible. You can find me on LinkedIn, um, and I would be happy to connect with anyone that might be interested. Um, and even if it's just learning a little bit more about ALP um, or if wanting to continue this conversation, happy to, to kind of continue talking through what's happening within the recruiting world right now. Well, that sounds great. Well, again, Stephanie, really appreciate your time today. Uh, and your insights here and look forward to uh, to chatting again. And as you say, after we get past this crazy couple of years, um, you know, <laughs> see what uh, see what our new normal, if there is such a thing, <laughs> what that uh, what that might look like. So we look forward to regrouping or reconnecting then. Perfect. Thank you so much, John. Really appreciate being on today.